Don't you know that I can make it? begin with you in just a few minutes you gotta take care of a few housekeeping things figured i'd give you something cool to listen to my boy brian popen That is definitely a message that we try to take. That you can make it. You can go ahead and move around a little bit. One thing about it, man, we don't go around with a message of you might can make it. We tell them you can make it. Yeah, so we're going to get started here in just another minute or two, probably less than a minute. 
Just wanted to open it up with a little bit of encouragement. Yes. And just understand this, man. You listen to, you're listening to, in the background there, gospel recording artist Brian Popin, right? And I've known Brian Popin since the early 90s. <laughs> yeah, no, no magic die on this one, no more, Dr. Dunlap. I've been knowing Brian Popin since the early 90s. Now, let me just give you guys a, a bit a, a tip here for those of you who do lives and stuff like that. <clears throat> Brian Popin is a gospel recording artist performed at the Potter's House all over the globe, a, a re gospel recording artist, multi-award winning. That's what he does for a living, right? We do not use people's music on any of our platforms or our lives without the express permission of that artist or else we use music that has been that we pay to have created to have the copyrights and or we use uh, copyright free music or soundtracks. I see some people come on and they're they're playing music in the background and that's a no-no on social media unless you're doing like TikTok, which I don't have a TikTok account, but I think TikTok allow, allows you to do that. But any other platform, if you don't have express permission from that artist to utilize their music to be playing it while you're alive, you can't get out of jail free card use, I don't own the rights to this music. That is not a legitimate bypass to use uh music that is not that is not yours that you've not either paid for or got express permission to use so on the openings of our show on our podcast um that song we started using back in 2020 i have the actual whole write-up i put it in the chat there so people could see it that that came directly from brian popen ministries and so when we reached out to them, it was during the height of the pandemic. And we said, hey, listen, I've known Brian for many, many years. He don't remember me, but we did ministry in the same place. And then he did remember me, so that was kind of cool. But I, he used to travel with Donnie and Reba Rambo, McGuire. I mean, like all over the, the country and, and around the world. Uh, so when I reached out to him, it was during the height of the pandemic. As you know, artists and people who earn their living by being in person, took a really hard hit. So I reached out to him. I said, Hey, listen, can I kind of cross uh, populate and get people interested in Brian who may be in our audience and listening area? And his folks reached out back and said, Yes, but you need to make sure that you let them know this narrative. And so we do that anytime we use Brian's music. And, uh, and, and, and I would suggest that if you can't get permission to utilize an artist's music. I, this has nothing to do with recidivism. <laughs> I just wanted to tell you that, that if you can't get the express written permission and consent to utilize a professional artist's music and you're on a social media platform that has copyright restrictions, don't get yourself sued by using people's stuff. Either get permission or, util, or, or pay someone to create you your own original music or use copyright-free material all right there's a there's just a tad bit of social media um a tad bit of social media kind of education and etiquette because i still still i still see people posting stuff with music playing in the background in particular on facebook because facebook's very tight about their copyright restrictions and they'll say they'll put a narrative in there i don't own the rights to this music that doesn't get you out from being sued that's that that is a whoever created that 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 thought process that we could just post that is wrong. So that that can get you sued for copyright infringement because it's not just enough for you to say I don't own the rights to this music. Well, most probably music you play you don't own the rights to. Uh, but you have to get express permission to utilize it on a social media platform that requires copyright permissions. So thank you, Brian, and I'll probably tag him in this just so he can see that we still we haven't we haven't played that song in quite some time, right, Greg? It's been at least a couple years, maybe a year or two, and um, 
<laughs> well, yeah, but that's right. We told you now. You heard it here first. So if you if you, if they showing up at your door because you playing music and you thought you could just say, I don't own the rights to this music. <laughs> you don't. You ain't gonna own the rights to a whole lot of other stuff too. <laughs> so tighten it up, okay? Brian Popin is a is a, an amazing man. Yes, Greg said, get prepaid legal. Brian Popin is an amazing man of God. Uh, travels all over the world, like I said. And when we reached out to him, he was very, very kind. His team was very kind to respond to us and say, hey, listen, give people an opportunity to help support Brian's ministry. Let them know the ways that they can support it. And please put that in the communication when you use his music. That's what we did. And that's what we do. So anyway, I want to talk to you today. I was on uh, I did two interviews this morning and it was uh, just uh, this afternoon. It was a great time up there with my dear friend and sister, Maddie Cheers, the sister of our great, great friend, Celia Kibler. And we love and appreciate both of them. Now I got two for the price of one. And uh, Celia, we need to get you on the show. You need to go ahead and book yourself like soon. Like I really need to get you next week. I think we have Nisi Jordan next Thursday and the rest of my, the rest of our schedule is clear. I believe might be good for a Monday or Tuesday, Celia, if you can get on to talk about screen time with our kids. That's a great – she's been doing a, a series of reels about screen time for your kids, and, man, you need to listen to that. I like to do a whole show on that. So, Celia, if you're still on um, – no, oh, you're in next week, next Monday. Uh, next Monday? Are you talking about Monday, the, the this coming Monday or the following Monday, like the 29th? Because – I don't know what what's happening that week. Might we'll we'll talk if you if you can't do it tomorrow, a Monday or Tuesday of this week, we can we can still swing it. I like to start the year out with this conversation. I know we're already twenty days into it. I meant to tell you, hey, look, we need to do this because it's a very important topic. This I, I believe we're raising up the generation of the screens. Now, I'm not horse and buggy, stone and chisel guy, but, man, Maddie has, I mean, not Maddie. See, I knew it. Celia has uncovered a large amount of data. She's a child expert and parenting coach, and she's giving out tremendous nuggets about uh, being aware of screen time. So just let me know, Celia. You can message me or whatever. If we can do a show together, I would like to highlight this 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 uh, narrative that you've talked about, and in, and in doing such, I think we can help some moms and dads, probably some help some moms and dads and kids, but help the mom and moms and dads too who suffer from screen time. Uh, you know, we need a screen time anonymous. You know, like everything else. So here's the reality. I just got off of, of off a podcast, and the second half of the podcast, I got to talk about stay free the stay free movement and it is it is number one we well, i told danny last night greg that we're gonna have to get stay free copywritten because we don't want it to be mixed up with any other thing right <laughs> Some, less people get it twisted this is two words stay free we're gonna get that uh trademarked it came about by when we were doing our sessions in the Craven County Jail, which we still do every month. We went around the room asking men, what is it, what's your purpose outside of this room? And a gentleman named Ishmael said, to stay free. Two words. And Greg can testify, I ran around the jail screaming and hollering because I said, you know what, this is, we sometimes complicate things. Now, I know there's a lot of indentured things up under there, but we sometimes complicate things. Well, I got to make restitution. I got to do this with Uncle Billy that I hurt and blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Brother, the, the first thing that you need to focus on is your freedom. It's like that in any other organizations, whether it be Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, any of those types of organizations that that's, you got to focus on the main thing 
first. The first thing is to not do drugs, right? Now, the hows are relatively important, I'd say. <laughs> How are you going to do that? And what we have been studying and seeing, see, it first just started because we wanted to do something more. And then when you go, you start, you start getting attached to these total strangers that you don't know, have nothing in common with them, have no relationship with them at all. And then you, you start giving your books away to them. And then you start showing up with banners and flyers and you start, the news starts carrying it. And, and now here we are 19 months in to stay free. And we're like, ma'am, there's, We've, we've been studying on site. We have been on the job training at Stay Free. What are some reasons why people cannot stay free? What are some reasons why? And I want to tell them to you so you'll, under, so you'll better understand. It's not just one silver, but what they need to make the better choice in their life. That's easy for us to say when we're outside chilling at the crib on this cool January afternoon. But it's another thing when you have some of these roadblocks facing you. This is why we realize that we are just one of the ingredients. I think we're a missing ingredient because I see correctional facilities roll out a bunch of programs. And if programs were it alone, you could take a wheelbarrow full of programs into an incarcer incarceration facility, dump it in the middle of the floor and say, these are your keys to freedom, handle it. And then don't talk to those folks again until it's time for them to punch out. But programs alone are not enough. Here's how I know. Because 90, what was it, Greg? Was it 98%? 90%. It was 90% of all folks who are incarcerated in all of the states in America will at one point become free. So it's only 10%. Hopefully, don't judge me if my numbers are off. And I knew it's a high percentage. I think it's 90 and 10. It's only 10% or maybe 8%. That's what it was, Drake. It was 92% will be free one day, and 8% are doing life. I can only come and encourage them, but I can't give them any keys to success outside of the iron doors because they're never leaving. 98% of them, nope, 92% of them will be free at some point. <clears throat> so that leaves us with just about 8% that are in for life. You understand? Get it. 92% will be free at some point. 8% will remain incarcerated for the remainder of their life. Okay? So of the, of the 92%, let's just deal with round numbers. Of that 100% of the 92%, how many of them can stay free? And the data shows us around 60% in North Carolina can stay free. So 40%, upwards of 40%, will reoffend. And I'm just like, you know, we, we can't beat our chest and wave the flag of victory for a 60. You know what I'm saying? We, we, we can't continue to say, man, this is working when, when it's just 60%. If you, I asked the gentleman who I brought this statistic to, I said, hey, listen, what if you found out that 60% of the time that 737 max would land successfully, but 40% of the time it won't, or there's a possibility of it crashing? Would you want to get on that plane with a 40% chance of it not successfully landing? So when you look at 60%, that ain't nothing to write home about. You know what I mean? Well, we need more funding. We need to pay people more. We need to do this. We need to do that. We need to do this. Well, I've been hearing that for the 19 months that we've been there, and I, there still seems to be a, a very sluggish movement of the needle, needle when we talk about bringing this number associated re with recidivism down. You know, there's even this, this cloak of 
what's the word? When you're just satisfied, you know, it's like, mm, okay, that's cool. That's just the way the system is. That's just, we're just okay with it being a 60-40 split. We're just okay. Why is this? That's good. That's a good question, Celia. Why is it okay to disrespect human life so much? And, you know, I've put this out there, and I've seen some who have said, well, you know, they did the time. They got to do the crime. Let me tell you something. When I go in that jail, and Greg is right there with me providing security, <laughs> when, when, when we go in there, that's the word. Yeah, which is just, it's mediocrity, um, lethargy, just kind of like, you know, kick the can down the road. This will be, I've just got to get my gold watch and retire because, after all, it's an $8 billion industry. Right? Why, why, why stir the, why stir the cart? It's this is the way it is. This is just normal. I would not accept that in aviation, but we would accept that in human life that we haven't stopped and did a hard stop to analyze why forty plus percent just in my state. There are states that have fifty and fifty five percent people that return back in. What is it that that we're okay with? That was not well. It's the human choice. It is, and that's why I say when we go into that place, I do not I do not talk to those men and women with sugar. I talk to them with love, but it is not sugar. It is anything but sugar. It is salt. <laughs> in fact, most of my public events, I couldn't say what I say in there. They have become like real friends, Greg. You're right. Like, I'm like, I told him this. I'm like the, the jail pastor here, even though we're not doing church services. I feel, there's this fellowship. There's this, there's this congregation of people that, that I ask them, who else shows up for y'all like this every month? No one. And we did studies. What other incarceration facility in North Carolina has someone show up of my profession every month? None. Not the 50-plus Correctional facilities, not the 100 counties. Chip Hughes, the sheriff of Craven County, is the only sheriff that said we want to try something different. Because when we sat down with him, here's what he said. He said, we don't want them back. We'll find, I'll go get another occupation if they clear out the jail tomorrow. But unfortunately, the wheels of crime continue to spin. COVID didn't even slow crime down, y'all. But he said, Sheriff Chip Hughes, the Honorable Sheriff Chip Hughes in Craven County, he said, listen, we don't want them to come here and feel like this is their final destination. We want to equip them with everything possible, and we want them to feel uncomfortable a bit while they're here so that they can get out and stay out. Yeah, man. The great Miss Melissa Oakley hit the nail on the head. You know, you talk about can't fix a problem that kills their profit. Now let's let's not let's not mess with the cash cow. And and listen, I I, I have to. Be, <laughs> this is my feelings, but but you know, if it was all just left up to my feelings, I'd be in a mess. So thank God I don't operate exclusively in my feelings. I understand that it's a bureau bureaucracy. I understand that it's big business. I understand that it fuels economies, crime. I told those men and women in my last session with them, what is it, $323 million goes into the coffers and, and the tax dollars, the taxpayers have to foot the bill. It's about $40 per North Carolina resident for people who reoffend. For people who reoffend. Did y'all know that? $323 million dollars for folks who get out and can't stay out. So what's some reasons why? There are one, one of the reasons why is, one of the reasons why is for a lack of rehabilitation programs, limited access to effective rehabilitation programs within correctional facilities can hinder an individual's ability to address the underlying issues that they came in there with. You got to address, you got to get to the root cause of your criminal behavior, yo. Hey, Nisi, love you, superstar. My cousin Nisi is a, is a Hollywood actress. She just need to cut a brother a check so I can go to all the jails and I don't have to worry about if they can pay me or not. But we, we don't, 
I heard it at the North Carolina, uh, what is it called that I went to earlier this year, Greg? The North Carolina reinstitution. It's something where we're talking about helping people get back into society from jail. I forget what the R word was. I can't remember right now. But I went to that thing and they said, here's what we do well. It said, they said at this, at this conference with people and wardens from all over our state, they said, we do this really well. We house inmates. That's what they said they do well in the correctional facilities. We house them. It ain't hard to put up a steel wall that's impenetrable, lock the door, and feed that person three or four times a day. Let them out for an hour and rinse and repeat. They said, we do this really well. But the other pieces, we don't. We don't get to the root cause of why somebody was in there. And that's one of the reasons why people re up repeat. I'm telling you, I'm giving you 10 reasons why. One of them is for the lack of rehabilitation programs. You want to know another one? The economy. Unemployment and economic struggles are real, yo. Difficulty finding employment upon release can lead to financial instability, increasing the likelihood, increasing the likelihood of reoffending as individuals may resort to criminal activities for survival. Yep, I can't find a job or I can't get hired because, uh, you know, whatever my crime was, larceny, DWI, whatever, right? I, I have this, I talked about this with the men this and women this past week or this past month. I, You get a yellow passport that follows you everywhere you go that reminds everyone of, of the crime you committed. And, it, and so you go back to these, you go back to these impoverished areas or you go back to areas that are bustling, but you can't get employment. And how long should we expect you to fast and pray and, and until your belly turns inside out? How long are we supposed to expect you to trust in the Lord with all your heart? How, how long are we? That's cool. And I believe in trusting in God. But there's got to, like Dr. Dunlap said the other day, you got to walk this thing too. <laughs> you know what I mean? You got to walk this faith walk. And unemployment. Listen, money does not money does not uh bring happiness. But the Bible does say money answers all things. Let that window pane envelope show up and you don't have money. That's right. Miss Oakley, yes, lack of opportunity for qualified and profitable employment. Even if they have an education certification or with degrees. Let's look at another one. Uh, the lack of education and skill development. So we say, hey, man, you did your time. You did 90 days, 123 years, five, seven, whatever the case may be. If you do a long period of time and you get out, things have changed. Like, you know. I just upgraded to the iPhone 14, yo, from the iPhone 7. I was evidently, I was seven phones behind. <laughs> I was seven phones behind, and I just have been putting, put, put, putting along because I just am cheap like that, right? Imagine somebody who I, I imagine somebody who gets out of jail or prison who have who has seen when he went in that there was pay phones and gets out and there's no pay phones anywhere. How much society, society is ever racing for change. And inadequate education and skill building opportunities during incarceration may leave an individual without anything, without the tools for lawful employment, making reintegration into society challenging at best. That's, the, that's, that's number three. The lack of education and skill development. Man, knowledge is power. That's why I study so much stuff. I study things that nobody is interested in just so that one day it will fit right in that moment when I need to be getting on down the road, speaking to people, right? 
knowledge is power. And when you say something that nobody was expecting or they didn't expect you to know that, they're like, oh, my goodness, he's waxing so poetic. Powerful. Pay that man again. Yes. Well, it's true, too, for knowledge. Knowledge is power. And knowledge opens up doors of opportunities in, in a lot of cases. Not in every case, but in a lot of cases, knowledge and education can open up. Because watch this. We can, we can get you some knowledge. We can get you some education. And you may not go out there and get hired. You may go and start your own business and do six figures like that. I know several folks that have done that. Had one of them on the show a couple months ago. He's a six-figure earner and did 12 years in prison. So it's possible. But knowledge is power and the lack of education and skills development while they're in. So what are we doing with them? We're just hurting. We're just keeping them sitting there, just biding time, putting tick marks on the concrete wall till they get out. Boy, that brother in, a, in, his, in his rare form today, ain't he? Substance abuse issues. We know that substance abuse is powerful and it's real. Unaddressed substance abuse problems can contribute to a cycle of criminal behavior as individuals may resort to criminal activities to support their addiction. And we got to understand that addiction is, is doing bench presses on the outside of the jail bob wire, waiting for that person who struggled with addiction to be released. And if all we do is make them clean for the 60, 90, 120, or even a year, but if, if, we're, if we're truly not seeing that this person has been rehabilitated and you know they're living a clean and sober life now, that they see the value in it, they wanna do it for themselves, not just they don't wanna live in the fear of failure, but they recognize that their life clean without substance abuse is so much better than their life polluting their body. If we do not make sure we turn those people back cleaner than when they came in, they will the trigger will happen and it will it will this is what causes the cycle of the revolving door substance abuse mental health challenges now listen i i have a thing i might do a whole week series on mental health challenges and the mental health and and uh psychological services in communities cuz i've been in some circles recently where the parties needed some some psychological and mental health services and the wait can be four to five months if not longer to get in front of a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist why is that okay i'm gonna break my arm and you're telling me that i can't go to the doctor for three or four months because there's none available or the backlog is too long, or the wait list is too long. That That's okay. We wouldn't dare accept that for a broken arm. But for somebody who's struggling with mental disorders, we're okay with just leaving them flounder. The lack of mental health support and treatment, both within and without, within and without the criminal justice system, can lead to individuals to struggle with untreated mental issues, which can directly contribute to recidivism that's number five number six what are some reasons for recidivism what, why are people returning because i'm i am no longer just a guest in the jail i think i i told him i belong here there are people fighting to get out of those places and i'm fighting just as hard to get in them <laughs> ain't that right greg now, Greg stays close by the door because he, he said, man, look, <laughs> one of us got to get out and tell the story. We say that jokingly. But, the, but truthfully, we are fighting hard to get in the place that most people fear of ever going. Now, think about that. Inadequate support systems. Do you know that support is important? It is very important. Inadequate support systems. Limited family and community support can leave individuals feeling isolated Increasing the likelihood of returning to criminal activities for the sense of belonging. You know, that's why gangs were so popular in the, in the 70s and 80s, 60s, and even now today, because folks are looking for a sense of belonging. And perhaps maybe they didn't receive, they didn't receive a connection. They didn't have a mom or a dad, or there wasn't a community that, 
help them. Now, I'm telling you, it's it's a powerful thing. Well, you just got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Man, okay, I hear all that. I done heard it, and I done did it. But let me tell you something. Community and support systems are essential for to, to help. If you're going to give these folks a fighting chance, don't throw them back out there on the sea and uh, on the sand and say, hey, go find your spot in the sea. They don't even know how to swim. Here, here's why it's happening. Because there's no, they don't have no support. And, and some of it may be their own fault, Greg. Some of them may have hurt people when they were out. Some, some of them, they have been in the revolving door so much, people are tired of hearing, I'm sorry, and this is my, I'm going to change. They're tired of it. So they don't have a support system. But does that mean that they don't deserve support? Does that mean that they're not entitled to support? Does that mean that we shouldn't care about support? I know Sheriff Chip Hughes does. I know people like Benita Bernie Simmons does. They're in Craven County with my sister's house. Yep, support. And so since I can't open my house up and, you know, create a halfway house, I said, well, Greg, we can't, they won't come to us. We'll go to them. We'll show them that somebody on the outside supports them. That is why stay free is so pure. Because there is no ulterior motive. There's not a, there's not a whole city of news crews waiting for me and Greg when we come out of those doors and they let us out. I mean, we've been there 19 months and only one news channel has done a report on it. So it, it's it's not like it's TikTok famous to be going into a, a county jail to inspire people to stay free when they get out. Criminal environment, going back to a criminal environment. Man, I'm telling you what, changing the environment is important. Uh, returning to a neighborhood or community with a high crime rate may expose individuals to negative influences, making it difficult to break free from the criminal associations. Is that not true, right? So you get out, you go back to the hood where, where, where everything's popping and socking. You can't find a job. It's just, it's just a process of elimination. King said, don't give up. King said, no matter the adversity, you still can make it. King gave me a copy of his book. I can do it. I can. And how long will that last? Sometimes you've got to ex extract yourself from the thing that caused your stumbling. Sometimes you've got to remove yourself. Now, I've told them something radical like this in the jail. It's better that you go somewhere and live in Tent City till you get on your feet than to go back to the, to the crib where all this bad stuff is happening and find yourself in short order back here. Because the homies that you rocking with out in the hood, they ain't doing the time for you. Oh, man, they're my, they're my dogs. Oh, I never, they ain't doing the time for you. They didn't say, hey, judge, let me stand in his stead. Let me go, let me go do his seven years for him. Nope. And so when you look at, when you look at environments, you know, we got this. This is what I'm saying. This is a multi-layered situation, and that's why I look at it like a cake. And stay free is just one ingredient, but I feel like we're an essential ingredient. I'll tell you at the end why. Next is stigmatism and discrimination. This is why people re repeat offend. Societal stigmatism and discrimination against ex-convicts. People who've been convicted can create barriers to reintegration. That's what it was. That was a conference called, it was on reentry. Leading individuals to feel rejected. Why even try, man? And increasing the likelihood of returning to the criminal lifestyle because they've been rejected. They've been stigmatized. Man, I am so open with those men and women in the jail. It's probably almost too open. I tell them where they can find me online. 
I don't tell them where my house is, but I'm like, hey, I'm an open book. I'm a public figure. You can find me. You really just try hard enough. You can know a little bit, almost everything about me. And I don't hide anything from them. I don't. I don't act like I'm. I'm so Mr. Perfect. We don't talk like I'm. I'm the executive, and they're the. They're the steerage in the bottom of the boat. No, there is no difference between me and them, except for the thin line of getting caught. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. I told them this past week, man. The six foot depth that they get. I'm going to get, Michael Jackson got, Greg Smith will get, LeBron James will get. They will. It will not matter what, what your crime is. Just and They will not give you a deeper depth, the greater citizen that you are. Oh, Jesus. And so we don't go in there and see orange jumpsuits or, 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 or pink jumpsuits or striped jumpsuits. We don't go in there looking like that. For the men, I, I am in direct contact with them. I'm like amongst them, like on the floor. They're sitting at tables, and I'm right in the middle of them. And I go by them, and I put my hand on their shoulders when I'm talking. I'll look them in the eye. I'll get down right in their face. I'll pat them on the back. I'll give them dap, shake their hand, and let them know, I don't care what your crime is, brother. I didn't come here because of your crime. We came here because we care. You know, I had, we had in the yellow passport message I just delivered there two weeks ago, we, we had every one of them write down their criminal offense, what they were convicted of. It's pretty telling. Had them put all their crimes on a little slip of paper, and then we put them all in my hat. We shook them up. And we pulled them out one crime at a time, larceny, breaking and entering, DWI, DUI, on and on and on, right? The list goes on. But all of them are going to get out one day. All of them will be free. And I gave them a different passport. It wasn't a passport about detailing their crimes. It was a passport about what their future as a free citizen will look like. The reasons why men and women offend are varied. But if we're going to ever chip into... We're gonna, if we're ever going to raise this above 60%, then my goodness, we got to do better. Two more. Institutionalization. Do you know that that contributes to repeat offenders? Did you know that? I don't believe that the jail or the prison should be the Hilton. That's where I go when I travel. <laughs> But I don't think that you should uh, be in the Hilton. Sheriff Chip Hughes, Greg, and I agree that it should not be the comfort and all the pleasantries that you had outside of the steel door. Right? And you need to reflect on some of the inconveniences that are here institutionalization can drive people to repeat. Did y'all know that? Long periods of incarceration may result in institutionalization where individuals become accustomed to the prison environment. Making a transition to conventional living challenging. Right? It, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't be the Hilton. And I told them this Last week, remember, Greg, I said it was because of the down pillows that y'all have that you came back. Or it was because of the five-star caviar that they fed you that you came back. Or it was because of the nice, beautiful lighting in the facilities that you came back. Whatever it is, it wasn't bad enough on the, out, on the inside for you to stay away, so you just had to come back in here. Oh, that's the way we talk to them. Yeah, that's the, that's the way we talk because we family up in there. And you got to get them to think, man, look, was it better on the outside? And if it's not, while, while you're here, let's position you to have a better life on the outside. I mean, like, surgeons who are getting ready to perform a surgery don't just go and say, okay, what is this patient? What, what are they here for? They got, I mean, they're already under. The doctor has no clue what they're there for. Oh, sir, you got to replace the right ventricle. Oh, okay, got it, scalpel. 
Do you know that they strategize, game plan, the surgery in depth? There's consultation. There's review. There's case study review. There, there is, there is an exhaustive trial. You know what I mean? Like we're gonna make sure that this is not gonna end bad. And so, while we have you here, what should be happening is the same type of analysis that says, "Hey, look, Billy, this is your second go around with larceny. What's the problem?" Man, whatever. You're stealing because you're you're an addict. Well, then we got to get to that root cause. Why are you an addict? Here's a here's where we can get you plugged into for the next six weeks when you get out. You're going there. You're not going back out on the street. And we're going to deal with this drug problem. Right? So then that, that's game planning the person's the person's problem. It's deinstitutionalizing them and humanizing their struggle. Man, come on, y'all. I ain't a warden. But but we spend $8 billion a year in North Carolina on jails. Why are we doing this? Last one. Last reason why people reoffend is because of poor release planning. I do not feel that if we are utilizing this much funding for incarceration, that it's just a mere issue of put them in here, lock the door. When they're, ready to, when they're able to escape, um, let them out. When they're ready to be free, let them out. When their time is up, get them out, put them on parole. Until then, lock them in here, no human interaction, let them just stay there. They did, they did the crime. Listen to me. A release strategy is almost like a flight plan. The only way that a big iron bird, a 747, is going to get up off of the ground and slip the bonds of earth, the only way it's going to happen is through planning and a strategy. The flight crew, the captains, one does a walk around, and then they do a planning session in the cockpit. This is the speed in which we'll abort. This is the speed that we look to take off. This is the first turn. This is the altitude. This is, it's a strategy. It's a plan. They don't just come, get in the plane, the engine's already fired up, they're on the runway, push a button, and bam, it goes. It is a, it's, it's a choreographed, detailed strategy. That's why planes usually land the first time successfully. Inadequate preparation and planning for reentry into society, including insufficient post-release support and supervision, can lead to individuals not having the resources and guidance needed to navigate a law-abiding Life. Well, that's on them. They need to figure. That's that's where we are in society. That's 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 what we do. That's why that's why we're the only group showing up, because some of y'all think that way. We refuse to think that way. I mean, if you're a spiritual, you would read in your Bible what Jesus said. You know, when I was in prison, you visited me. He he made it a, he made it important not to talk about food, clothing. Imprisonment. And we don't go in there and do church services. We go in there and deal with the real issues that these people face. These human beings, these brothers and sisters, these men. I tell the men they're kings. I tell the lady they're, ladies they're queens. I don't ever refer to them as inmates. But we're just one ingredient. But here's why I feel, and I'm going to close. Here's why I feel stay free is the missing ingredient. It's because all of those other things, you have to be able to pull something from within 
to take advantage of them. Right? I and Greg are trying to show these men and women that if your mom and them ain't there, if your parole officer ain't there, if the system lets you down, you still have what it takes when you wake up in the morning and look at that person in the mirror, you're not getting more hands. You're not getting two more feet. You're not getting four eyes. You're not getting eight ears. All that you have in your possession is what's required to be successful. I, we try to get them to believe, ladies and gentlemen, in themselves. When maybe perhaps nobody else will. There's some men that, and women that we've talked to that have been there the whole 19 months we've been speaking. I mean, every month that we show up, it's like a joy. They love it. We can't, we can't, we can't, we can't speak it hard enough. They want, they want it, they want it raw. They don't want no sugar. They want it, give it to us straight. And guys who used to hang out on the fringe edges now sit in the center. The women, they're up top and down below in their rooms and, they listen intently, scream and holler when we ask them to. But it's got to start while they're locked up. It's got to start with a belief that no matter what's the outside looking like, I got enough to defy the law of failure and succeed anyhow. With the help of God, these two hands, two feet, two eyes, and two ears. I'm going to do it. And if that cannot be shaken, nothing will shake them. Because we see his history shows us there have been people who rise up out of economic trauma and are hugely successful. We see people who have been institutionalized and come out and turn the world upside down. We see men and women who don't have fathers and mothers, et cetera, et cetera, and still find a way. How did they do it? They believed in themselves when nobody else would. But I tell them that there's two more brothers in your corner. The two cats that keep showing up, like two Kirby vacuum cleaner salesmen, <laughs> Greg Smith and C.L. King. <laughs> right, Greg? We, sell, we ain't selling Kirby's. We're selling hope. And we're not selling it. We're giving it. Because it was freely given to us. Hope this helps you realize why people repeat and why stay free is kind of extremely essential. It's essential, in my opinion. Stay free is essential. It's got to be in every jail. It's got to be in every incarceration facility. And we get told no a lot. That's all right. We'll just go on to the next one. Then after you forget, three or four months later, we'll come knock on your door again. <laughs> all right, y'all. Have a great afternoon. Stay free. Talk to you soon. <laughs>